Today we are going to continue our series I'm calling In Times Like These. You know, for our generation, not forever, but for our generation, times like these are unprecedented. They are uncharted waters. You know, unprecedented times can be scary, right? Uh, they can be scary. They can, they can cause anxiety. Uh, they have proven to be very divisive. I've chosen Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 12 uh, for our foundational scripture for our series. Let's read that today. The writer of Hebrews says there, says, so take a new grip. Say a new grip. Yeah, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I think this is very appropriate uh, scripture for the day that we are living today. Well, in this series, I'm pointing out four things that I believe are absolutely required if we are going to overcome in times like these. Well, so far, we have uh, talked about the need for uncommon faith. And also, we talked about the need for uncommon faithfulness. Today, I want to suggest the third requirement, and it is uncommon focus. Uncommon focus. Now, to focus, in part, uh, is to concentrate on. Uh, it is to make priority. It is to place in the center. It is to see clearly. So today I have chosen three things that I believe we should focus on if we are indeed going to be overcomers in times like these. Let me suggest, first of all, that we need to focus on what's important. Say important. Yeah, we need to focus on what is important. You know, there are so many people and projects and pursuits that, that pull on us and, and pressure us. And, and, and most uh, of these are, are good things in and of themselves. But I ask you, are they, are they priority? Are they priority? Do, do, do they deserve our focus? Or do they take us away from what our main focus ought to be? Somebody said, good is the enemy of great. Would you agree? That too many good things will cause us to become so busy that we will not have time to accomplish the great things. I believe in times like these, we will need to focus on what's important, what's most important in our lives. I like what somebody said. Somebody said, if something is important to you, you will find a way. And if it's not, you'll find an excuse. So I want to suggest three things that we should be most, that should be most important to us. First of all, is our provider. Our provider. Hey, the government and its stimulus checks is not our provider. Do you understand that? Our employer uh, and their weekly salary that we appreciate and we receive from them every single week, but they are not our provider. Our own efforts and skills and ingenuity is not the source of our provision. God and God alone is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Well, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32, he says, Since God did not spare his very best when he gave us his son, won't he then give us everything we need? 
That's something to think about, right? We're concerned and worried, and you know, if we're going to have provision, if God's going to take care of us. Listen, God has already given us his best. Why would he fail in any other area of our life? If he is, was willing to give the very best that he had, will he not give us everything that we need in life? So in times like these, we need to focus on our provider. Listen, a change in presidential leadership doesn't actually change who's in charge. We'll say that again. A change in presidential leadership doesn't actually change who's in charge. Hey, listen, listen, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are truly in charge. Man, I'd be freaking out if they were. Because, man, there's big problems on both sides of the fence. Hello? Hello? Listen, the Democrats are not in charge. The Republicans are not in charge. God is in charge. So I urge you today, I urge you to be neither anxious nor excited about the change of leadership at the White House. I said, I said, I urge you to neither be anxious nor excited about the change of leadership at the White House, but rather to focus on our true leader and commander in chief, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Focus on our provider who has already made provision for us from the foundation of the world. Now, we understand the greatest provision that God made for us was salvation through grace. And thank God for this wonderful and ultimate provision, salvation through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has also made provision for every single need we might have. Hey, if God could feed 3 million Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness without government assistance or stimulus checks, surely he could take care of us in this pandemic. Not only should we focus on our provider, but we also should focus on our people. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, it tells us that God had a specific people for the apostle Paul to minister to, and another specific people group uh, selected for Peter to reach and to minister to. Well, I believe the same is true for us. That even as God had a specific people picked out for Paul and another specific people picked out for Peter, I believe that God has a specific people group picked out for you and for me. Yeah, the people that are in our lives are placed there by God, strategically positioned and placed in our lives by God. Now, some are there to help us and some are there to receive help from us. And some are put there to knock the rough edges off of us. How many know about that? Here's what you need to understand. Listen, if you don't get anything else today, shame on you. I got a whole lot more. But if you don't, get this. Our people are our main assignment in life. The people that God has planted, the people that God has strategically positioned and placed in our life, they are our main assignment in life. Our parents, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our fellow workers, the the people that are in our life are the main assignment God has for us. All too often we allow projects to become prioritized over people. Oh, we don't intend to. Oh, oh, we would never do it on purpose. But that's what happens when we get out of focus. I, I, I don't know, but perhaps, I'm using the word perhaps, perhaps the people who get divorced, uh, 
and they used as the cause or the reason was because they, they say they fell out of love. They fell out of love. Perhaps they didn't fall out of love at all. Perhaps they actually just fell out of focus. When our focus gets blurry, we cannot see clearly. Here's what I'm saying this morning. To overcome in times like these will require uncommon focus. Focusing upon what's truly important, our provider, our people, and our purpose. Now, I simply cannot overstate nor overemphasize living life on purpose. See, I believe that true success has little to do with numbers and stats. But it, it has everything to do with living our lives according to God's particular purpose for us. Paul wrote to the young preacher, he was mentoring a young man by the name of Timothy, and he said to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 10, he said, hey, Timmy, Timmy, he says, you know what I teach, and you know how I live, and you know what my purpose in life is. And Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called, notice this, according to his purpose. His what? See, God is a God of purpose. Everything God does, he has purpose for. God is a God of purpose. And he gives each of his children a purpose as well. Now, God has given me a very practical purpose. My purpose in life, my ministry tends to be very practical. No matter how, what I do, that just the practicality just, just comes out. It's just part of the purpose that God has given to me for my ministry. Now, other pastors have different purposes. And, you know, once God is finished with me and finished with my purpose for the grace place, he's going to replace me. And he's going to replace me with somebody that has a different purpose. Because different seasons equal different purpose. The purpose for the grace place at this particular time in the church's history is to be caring people. Caring for people. How many have ever heard about that? Ah, we are to provide care for all of our people. And we are to partner with caring ministries around the world. That is the purpose of this church. That's why we are here for such a time as this. But this is our season. Someday there'll be another season and another purpose and another person. If we as individuals and we as a church are to overcome in times like these, I believe it's going to require focusing upon what is important. And what is most important is our provider, our people, and our purpose. Well, second thing that uh, we should focus on is we should focus on what's imparted. On what's imparted. See, it's very important what we impart. And everyone imparts. You know, we impart both intentionally and unintentionally. Paul intentionally imparted to Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2 says, You have learned from me. Hey, Timmy, you have learned from me. Impart to others. Take what I have imparted to you and impart it to others. 
And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 8, Paul writes to the church there and he says, We have such affection for you that we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel but also our personal lives because you had become so dear to us. If we're going to overcome in times like these, we need to become very intentional in what we impart. And I want to get specific this morning. Let me give you three areas of impartation that we need to be very careful with. The first one is our attitude. Let me know we impart our attitude. We need to be careful how we impart our attitude. See, it's not just what we say, but how we say it that matters. How we act and how we react is closely observed by those closest to us and especially, especially those who are highly impressionable. I remember as a very young rookie pastor looking to older pastors that I respected. I would look to them for my cue on how to react in certain situations. I know a few of them that on a regular basis they'd get a phone call from me because I needed what they had and I needed them to impart to me what they had learned and had gleaned. And all of us have people in our lives who are looking to us for direction and wisdom and how to respond in times like these. So we need to focus on what we impart to others through our attitude. Let me ask you this morning, do we have a negative or pessimistic attitude about our times? Do we spew negativity and doubt and suspicion? Do we embrace every conspiracy theory that comes along? Do we promote unity or division with our attitude? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 141 and 3, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Oh, what a prayer we all ought to be praying. And the wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 13 and 3, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. But not only should we focus on what we impart through our attitude, but also through our alliances. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22 says, Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. The Mike Benson version of that is, Don't be quick to endorse. Don't lay hands on anyone hastily. Don't, don't be quick to put your, your endorsement on someone or something. You see, we impart much through who and what we endorse. Amen? Our alliances speak volumes about us. Fact of the matter is people judge us and they categorize us according to our alliances. Here's what I've learned. Now, tune in for a moment. Good stuff coming up here. Some things look and sound right and good on the surface. But when you look a little deeper, you discover that what you are seeing is merely a facade. Now, I've done a lot of remodeling in, in my lifetime. Remodeling churches, I've remodeled houses. I've done, I've done a lot of remodeling in my day. And often, I have covered up a whole lot of ugly by merely placing some new material over the old. What you can see 
looks good. It looks pretty. It looks new. It looks fresh. It looks up to date. What you see looks good. But you, if you uncover the outer layer, you would discover a whole lot of ugly has been covered up. In times like these, we need to be digging deep and getting beyond the facade and see what's underneath. What's the hidden agenda? What is this or that organization? What, what are they really about? Oh, it looks good. It sounds good on the, on the outside. But what is underneath? What is below the surface? Don't get sucked in by the mere appearance of something or the rhetoric that has been crafted. Look, look deep. Go, go beyond the outer layer because, because we are imparting much through our alliances. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse, uh, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said, some of you are hypocrites. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but the dead are on the inside. Jesus said, outwardly you look good, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy. We need to be very careful who we align ourselves with in times like these, because often it's merely a facade. We also need to focus on what we impart through our activities. Our activities. You know, knee-jerking and overcorrecting seems to be the norm. Each new generation seems to overcorrect the mistakes of the former. Because former generations were so black and white and because they were so legalistic, the pendulum seems to be swinging too far in the opposite direction today. Now, when I was growing up, it seemed that everything was deemed wrong by the church. If it was fun, it must be sin. <laughs> and today we are overcorrecting. We have become so loose, and freedom in Christ is preached so strong that nothing seems wrong today. I believe that the truth can be found somewhere in between these two extremes. And this is nothing new. The early church fought this battle as they were trying to flesh out the new dispensation called grace. And if you'll read about it, you'll find that there was much vacillating that went on as they tried to find a balance. And they did not bat a thousand and they didn't do everything right. And much discussion and even dissension went on between the, 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 the greatest leaders of the early church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the discussion and debate was over if it was okay or not okay to eat food that had been offered to idols. I love what Paul says in verse number 2 of chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. And Paul says there, he says, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Don't you love that? Yeah, they're trying to figure out this new dispensation. They're trying to figure out, you know, where they're going with this and what is, what is right. And Paul says, he says, hey, anybody that claims to have all the answers, they don't really know very much. 
Nobody has all the answers. Let me just quickly summarize what Paul says in his response about whether or not they were to eat uh, food that had been offered to idols or not. Just a summary, Paul says, he says, first of all, he says an idol is not a real God. There's only one true God. And so Paul said, so since idols aren't, aren't true gods, then offering food to one doesn't change the food in any way. And so because an idol is not really a god, and because it doesn't change the food in any way, then it's okay to eat the food that has been offered to idols. But, say but. Paul said but. Not everybody understands this. Paul says, I understand this, you understand this, mature saints understand what I've just said, but not everybody is going to understand what we understand. And so Paul says for some, say some, Paul says for some, they're going to be offended if they were to eat the, the food that was offered to idols, or they would be offended if they saw you eat the food, even though you think it's okay, and it actually is okay to do it, but, but they're going to watch you, they're going to see you, they're not going to be on the same spiritual plane and maturity level that you are, and they see you, and they're going to be offended. And so Paul said for some, for those that you know will be offended, uh, so Paul said, so if you eat the food that is offered to idols, don't do it in front of somebody who would be offended by it. If you have no conscience against it, if it's okay, if it's clear with you, if you feel like it's okay for you, do it, but don't do it in front of somebody that doesn't have the same thoughts that you have and beliefs that you have because you will offend them. And so don't do it because of them. And verse number nine, Paul said, be careful that your freedom does not cause weaker saints to stumble. And in chapter 10 of of 1 Corinthians, Paul says in verse number 23, he says, you say I'm allowed to do anything. Man, that's freedom. I'm allowed to do anything. I can do anything. Paul says you say that, but he says not everything's good for you. You might be able to, but it's not everything is good for you. He says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. May not be beneficial for you, may not be beneficial for somebody else that might see what you are participating in. So, and then verse 24, Paul writes, and he says, don't just be concerned for yourselves, but also for others. So we need to be very careful about what we impart through our activities, what we do, what we don't do, where we go, where we don't go, what we partake of, and what we do not partake of. See, there are many absolutes in the Bible, many thou shalt not. There's many absolutes in the Bible, like drunkenness and adultery. These are absolutes. But there are many things in life that the Bible doesn't give us clear black and white answers to. And so in these areas, we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and be very sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and see if he gives us peace in that area or not. And then we need to make sure that our conscience is clear before we engage. And then we need to be very super sensitive to the thoughts and feelings and convictions of other saints, and especially baby Christians. Don't flaunt your freedom. Don't, don't flaunt your freedom. Be, be careful what activities you post on social media, especially if it's of a controversial nature. In times like these, we need to focus on what we are imparting through our attitudes, our alliances, and our activities. How many agree with me this morning? 
Well, not only should we focus on what's important and what's imparted, but we should also focus on what's impactful. Impactful. Let me ask you today, do you want to make a difference with your life? Are you okay with just, you know, getting up and going through a routine and same old, same old, and, you know, uh, eat some breakfast and go to work and eat some lunch and do some more work and come home and eat dinner and watch a little tube or go watch a ball game or, you know, or, and, you know go to bed and, and, you know, 24-7 and just the same old, are, 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 are you okay with that or do you want to make a difference with your life? Do you want to affect change in people's lives? If you do, then focus on the things that will have a true impact. And, and I'm just suggesting three of those. And the first one is the gospel. I'm going believe the gospel is impactful. Fact of the matter is there's nothing more impactful than the gospel, the true gospel. The true gospel, not, not your version of the gospel, not the gospel plus something, no, no, the pure, simple, unedited gospel. What is the true gospel? Well, the true gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, became Jesus, the Son of Man. That he lived a sinless life. And because Jesus was 100% pure, 100% holy, 100% spotless, because of that, he could become the sacrifice for our sins. That on the cross, God would unload every single sin that mankind would ever commit on Jesus. And then God the Father would pour out his wrath for our sin on his son. His son Jesus would pay the penalty for our sins. And if we would embrace what Jesus did on the cross for us, our faith in his grace would bring about salvation. This, my friends, is the gospel. And oh, how impactful that it is. Romans 1 and 16, Paul writes, and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. Let me give you something else that is impactful. That's generosity. You know, we should live a life of generosity. A life of generosity. Generous with every, every part of our life. Generous with our resources. Generous with mercy and grace. Generous with, with kind words and encouragement. I'm thinking of the people who made the most impact on my early life and ministry. I'm, I'm thinking of two men in particular. They were men in my early ministry who believed in me. They were men who spoke words of affirmation and words of encouragement to me. They, they, they spoke life and they spoke blessing over me. And they did it generously. What impact can we have, especially on young, impressionable people? I challenge you today, I challenge you to live a life of generosity in every, in every area of your life. Be a river and not a reservoir. Proverbs 11 and 25 says, The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And Proverbs 21 and 6 says, The godly love to give. But not only is the gospel and generosity impactful, but also genuine love and concern. You know, in a day where it seems most people have an agenda or an ulterior motive, genuine love and concern for people has the potential for incredible 
impact. You know, there's a new generation emerging. And they're stripping things down to the basics. They've witnessed the hype and the excesses. They've seen the glitz and the glamour. They're tired of all the empty promises. They're weary of all the lies and hypocrisy. And they're stripping it all down to the basics. I'm going to tell you, friend, if you want to impact the next generation, you won't do it with a Hollywood approach. You'll do it with genuine love, concern, compassion, relationships, time spent. 1 Peter 3 and 8 says, Be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Man, if we've ever needed that scripture, it's the day we're living in. In times like these, we should focus on what is impactful. The takeaway for the message today is simply this. Our focus will determine our future. Our focus will determine our future. Be careful with your focus because that's dictating your future. Father, I thank you, Father, for the message today. Lord, not the sermon, but the message in the sermon God, I pray today you will help us today. God, there's so many things that will cause us to lose our focus. God, I pray today you will help us renew focus in the important areas of our lives.